Balancers, thanks for tuning in to episode number 23. Today you will have the pleasure of listening to my conversation with the wonderful Fiona from My Daily Business Coach. So Fiona is herself a business coach and also runs a podcast on top of all being a mother. It's quite incredible. I actually came across her from listening to her own podcast, which if anyone has the time or is looking for a new podcast to add to their list, I would strongly recommend checking hers out. I do talk a little bit about it in the pod today. And I do want to encourage everyone to actually give it a listen as well. I think a lot of people might get a little bit deviated if they're not doing their own business or genuinely interested in it. But I must say a lot of the content she speaks about, you can really easily relate to on a personal level too, which is actually why I extended the invite to have her on as a guest. So a lot of the things we speak about today, you know, the, the idea of getting started, setting boundaries and saying no, navigating through doubt and fear and how to deal with the issues of comparing yourself to others, all extend far beyond just the concept of business. So if you wear that cap when you're listening to her stuff, I think you can get a lot on a personal level as well. But I'll let you hear and decide for yourself. So here she is, the lovely Fiona. Alrighty, Fiona, welcome to the Balance Theory Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Oh, I'm so excited to be talking to you and thank you for all you're doing to help people keep the balance. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Now, I came across you from listening to your very own podcast. Um, it popped up on my recommended in, in Apple in Apple Podcasts and I fell in love with the content, the work you're doing. Um, and so, you know, I went on the journey of stalking Instagram, to be quite honest, <laughs> um, getting in touch with you and here we are. So, you know, so just so I don't do what you do a disservice, can you share a little bit with our audience um, about your podcast and what you're doing for work? Yeah, thank you so much. And that's really kind of you. Um, yeah, so my podcast is just called the My Daily Business Coach Podcast. And it goes into kind of three different types of episodes, quick tips um, for small business owners that they can just implement immediately. Uh, we also have longer coaching sessions with me. And that's, that's what I do. I'm a business coach. Um, and so I'll go into one detail of business in more, you know, at greater length. And then I'll do interviews with small business owners across the globe and really get into the nuts and bolts, like what kind of tools do you use? What platform do you use? What was your upbringing like? Um, to get a really good sense of the person as opposed to just, you know, maybe stock standard questions that they might get about their business. Um, and then in my day job, I work, yeah, as a business coach predominantly. Uh, so I have online products, courses, that kind of stuff. And I do one-on-one -on -one business coaching, um, group coaching and yeah, just sort of doing strategy sessions or consulting with larger companies as well. Awesome. So how did you actually get into business coaching? Is it, because I always think, is it, is it kind of like a prerequisite that you run your own business first trial and error and then you become a coach or is it a, is it a question of you're just really passionate about it and you kind of do it as you go? Yeah, it's, I think, I mean, it's such an unregulated industry. So there's no set standard, like it's not like law or something else. Um, yeah. So I had worked for 15 years prior to starting my business that I started about five years ago. So for 20 years, I'd worked in senior marketing and content and brand roles. So I headed up like the whole of Kitchen and Home in the Amazon UK. I'd worked at head of marketing at Mimco, part of Country Road Group. And so I had a lot of experience in brand and marketing and content. I've been a published writer for 20 years as well uh, for places like Monocle and Refinery29. And so I had all of that. And then I had gone out on my own. I'd had a copywriting business um, or more like a branded content business with my husband early on. Uh, and then we you know, got back into having security and going back to work. 
Uh, and so I'd always wanted to do my own business again. And I actually had never really thought of business coach. I sort of was like, I'm going out, I'm helping these people with their marketing and brand. And then one day someone said, you're just a business coach. Just call yourself a business coach. And I was like, oh, I can't stand that term. Like, who are these people? Um, and she actually was like, get over yourself. That's what they're called. That's what people are for. So call it that. And so I did. And, you know, I've definitely had moments when I've cringed at, oh, this is my brand name. Now I've just accepted it. I'm like, this is what I do. It's very clear. And I love it now. And I'm all about, yep, I'm a business coach. And I own that. And I actually have gone and studied um, business coaching because you can do an accreditation. Cool. So it's like you have to get a, you know, you have to get your little number from the government. Um, and I've done that and it's been great. Um, but I do think that that 15 years prior working in lots of different companies has helped as well. So yeah, and as yeah. well as having my own business. For sure. And, and it's nice to hear you having gone from, you know, hardly wanting to put your hands in the term and now your podcast, it's formed part of your podcast title. So you're yeah. fully, fully into acknowledging and embracing that. And in terms yeah. of your, um, your podcast, how did that come about? Was that an addition to the products and services you're already offering sort of as you went on or was that always something you had at the start? Yeah, it was always something I wanted to start. Um, so I used to work at Audible. I worked in the Audible UK team in marketing and content. And then, um, and that was like 2012. And we were really trying to get people to listen to audio. People thought audio books were just for old people or hearing impaired, or it was just a really tough thing. Like no one was listening to it. And so at that time I started listening to podcasts because they were, you know, sort of still just coming out. And I was like, this is something I wanted to do. Um, and so in 2016, I bought an intro track. I got like an American company to, you know, do the whole introduction to, you know, whatever, your voiceover stuff. And I got it back and just was like, oh God, that doesn't sound like me at all. It was way overproduced. And so I just sort of had it on the back burner. Um, but I also knew how much time it would take. And so I just kept thinking there's other things in the business I want to do first. Like I want to do live workshops. I want to do online courses. And then it all just sort of, came into a head last year 2019 and I thought okay I'm turning 40 next year this is a goal of mine get it done and so yeah I launched it the same month that I turned 40 so yeah just a few months ago but it's done really well and I'm shocked and I'm but I'm also like you know I, I could have launched it in 2016 but maybe it wouldn't have been the podcast that it is now because I've got more experience yeah for sure and um in terms of like just as a more of a business question in terms of having the podcast as a plug for your services how have you found the correlation between the two like just thinking for anyone more who's who's tuned in at the moment who runs their own business um for who is the right person or business i suppose that a, that having a podcast would really do wonders for them from marketing kind of putting themselves out their point of view oh i i genuinely believe any business could do well with podcasting i just think we're going into there's so much voice marketing now we understand you know we're using our phones with voice command. We're using things around the house with voice command. People are used to talking into something. Um, so that the actual, and we're using voice to text some of us to just text our friends. We're sending voice DMs. And so people are used to it. So there's that side. It's not actually as hard as say doing videos or um, writing content for some people can be quite hard. You're just talking into a microphone or you and I right now, we're just having a conversation. Yeah. So it's a very easily accessible medium in terms of marketing. So anyone could do it. But then on the flip side, people are rushing here, there and everywhere, even though we're in lockdown. I mean, people are, you know, listening while they're working out, listening while they're driving, listening while they do the gardening. It's again, not the same as a video where you have to sit down and be present. 
Um, and so there's just such a huge reach for podcasts and such a hungry audience that's out there. In terms of my own, to your question, my own, what it's done for my business, it's been huge. I, like, I just kind of thought, oh, okay, let's just get it done because that was a goal you had. Like, let's see how it goes. Should almost use it as an experiment. Um, and it's done so well. There's been like 50,000 downloads in a few months and people from all over the world have reached out and people in their like 50s and 60s and one person in their 70s was like, wow, hey, you use these sometimes. So I just think it's amazing. I'm meeting people from all over the world. And like, even, you know, that's how you and I've met. So right. I just think go for it, like have a go. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, I'm very glad you did because, um, you know, for anyone listening who does want a little bit more of an in-depth insight into what you do in terms of your services. The podcast I think is a really nice segue and it's, it's very easy digestible content because I've only recently started um, like, as I was telling you the other week, an e-commerce business. And so that's all very new to me. So when I listen to content on the podcast and I like how you have like the different types of um, episodes as well, it, it keeps it refreshing. But what I really like about it is it's so easy to, follow and I find there are like morsels from it that can apply to my personal life which is something I've pulled out for later on in our discussion today but uh, more to my point I think everyone should check it out because it's it's really cool and I love how you've you know brought it to life as a product of what you're passionate about and it really does come through the show so definitely keep doing what you're doing (laughs) thank you so much and likewise thank you so much no, appreciate it. So apart from being your own, um, you know, a business coach and running your own business, you are also a mum, and that in itself is a full-time job. So how do you stay balanced between, you know, running your own business and, and looking after a child? Yeah. So I have two children. Oh, um, two, one, sorry. No, no, no. Um, one is uh, seven and a half or who's almost eight. And then I have another one who is a year and a half. So there's a big gap between them. Um, so I would say, Balance is hard sometimes. Like, and I've just had to embrace that. Sometimes I'm going to feel like I'm a crap mom. And sometimes I'm going to feel like I'm, you know, not doing everything I could potentially be doing in my business. So I've just learned to embrace that, that it's not going to be perfect all the time. Um, I do stay balanced. So I only work three days a week, um, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and I work in school hours. So that was a huge important thing for me. When I was growing up, I was the youngest of four. We moved to Australia when I was about four. And my mum started working and she hadn't worked um, until that time with the others. And so, um, and, you know, through, they had to work to, you know, to survive, but um, she was not able to pick me up from primary school. And so I thought if I ever have children, I want to be the mum that comes and picks them up at 3.30. And so I just make sure that I've I've run my business to a point where I am there there at the school gate. Um, And also been able to say to clients over the time and it's taken you know some practice to say I don't work past three o'clock I don't work past 3 30 um, or I don't work on these days and that's taken time to get to that point where I feel comfortable and confident but that's definitely helped with the balance I also have a really supportive partner who's incredible he he really helps and with homeschooling this year with Melbourne lockdown he did the bulk of the home homeschooling I have to say um, but I just also find like, you know, I, don't, I try not to beat myself up about, oh my gosh, not everything's perfectly, you know, cooked from scratch every single night. Or um, if the kids just have eggs tonight with you know, an omelette, that's fine sometimes. So yeah, just try not to beat myself up about it. Because I think as women, especially mothers, it is just, there's so much societal pressure and you just need to take a minute and really 
ask yourself, am I feeling like I'm in balance because of, I actually am in balance and I need some help or am I feeling that because society tells me I should be the perfect mum, the perfect this, the perfect that. Yeah, right. The mum guilt's real, hey. <laughs> oh, it's massive. It is massive, especially when you run your own business as well because it's almost like people think, oh, you're choosing your career over your kids. Um, but you have to be happy as well. That's right. And, and I think that's a nice um, synergy of support you've got there. So obviously like your work has allowed you to be flexible. You've got the supportive partner. Um, let's talk a little bit about your um, the area of health. So do you have any like non-negotiable daily habits either for your physical or mental health or both? Yeah, I definitely have let my health slip. I have to be honest with that. Um, but like in the last, in the first, sort of first two years of my business, I definitely kind of put it on the back burner. The last two years I've tried a lot harder. So like we, um, three years ago, we gave up alcohol, my husband and I, myself, I gave up coffee. Um, and I have to say, I feel so much better for it. Um, I go for a walk every morning. Um, so there's lots of, like, I will, I will meditate. I have the Headspace app. Um, my husband, a few years ago, a couple of Christmases, maybe like two or three Christmases ago, bought me just a hammock outside. And I know it sounds really simple, but I'll go and just sit in that hammock, like lie in that hammock for about 10, 15 minutes every few days. And I swear it is just incredible. I come out of it like a different person. Just like, just that feeling of like being held by something and yeah. that just downtime. And it's outside. So we live in a very bushy area. It's outside. I can, you know, watch the breeze, watch the bush. But just having a cup of tea, that's my big thing. Have a cup of tea, have it outside, take those few minutes. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's yeah. really important. You're not, the, you're not the first person to talk about tea on the podcast. Um, <laughs> but that's definitely, um, you know, something that's really important to have those moments, whether it's weekly or daily, if you can, that you just put aside for yourself. It's, it's just the little things that, you know, fill your cup up, whether it's having a tea, lying on the hammock. For mine, it's definitely going outside or sometimes yeah. I like just having a bath, but it's just about having those little things. So thanks for sharing. I think that's also very, very important. And um, to your point, I guess, with, you know, you, you are walking every day. And I think a lot of people undermine the the benefits of going for a walk, yeah. say, as opposed to going and smashing yourself at the gym. It's mm -hmm. still movement for your body. It's still movement for your mind. And so that, you know, don't, don't underestimate the power of that in terms of, you know, doing something for your physical health on a daily basis. Yeah. Yes. And actually I should say um, this week I was like, you know what, I'm going to be proactive. A family member, not in my immediate family, but in um, my husband's actually had a heart issue and he's quite young to be having that. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And I actually called my GP and I was like, can I get a blood test for like every single thing that's out there? And she was like, yes, this is great. You're being proactive. And I'm like, okay. So I just feel like small things like that as well. It's like take control and like go and get the results and see how you're going. That's right. Being proactive rather than, you know, reactive when it happens, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right, cool. So I wanted to move on now. Um, I wanted to chat a little bit about mental health as an honest consideration when it comes to business. So I, I know in our um, early discussions and encounters, you shared with me a little bit about how grief had an impact on your business and how it's actually taught you something. And I am actually so glad that you brought this to my attention because I feel like when we talk about business or running a business or just, you know, just, just being self-sufficient, talking about something like grief and its impact and, and how to, you know, even just think about how you would deal with that situation and, you know, safeguard things is not really something that's a bread and butter conversation. So 
Um, mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about your experience with that. Yeah, so I was unfortunate enough to, uh, my mother in 2017, in April 2017, um, literally just dropped dead. Like it, there was nothing, there was nothing wrong. There was no kind of outward sign. She was on holiday with my dad, um, wasn't feeling well. They decided to come back early. They came back and she was sort of like, get, you know, get dinner, Frank, like <laughs> get dinner, like just worrying about my dad. And then he was like, well, why don't we just call an ambulance just to check, you know, they can take you straight into the hospital, just check everything's all right. Um, she called an ambulance, got into the ambulance and within half an hour she was gone. And so my dad had called me to say, can you come pick me up? And then he called and said, I'm actually going to get a taxi. The hospital sort of said that we should hurry. And I went in there thinking everything will be fine. Like, you know, don't be so dramatic, Fiona. And I went in and yeah, it was the most, it was just like a scene in a movie, you know, a nurse comes over, they're all teary. You're like, what's going on? What's going on? And it was horrible. And because of that, I think just my mum was my best friend and it just, everything fell to pieces. Like it was, it was just the most shattering. It was, it was every nightmare that you've had happen. And so for the next, I had just lined up all of this work. Like I had lined up all these clients. I had, everything was going really well. And I just had to contact everyone and be like, I, this has happened. I don't know when I'm going to be okay, but right now I, I can't function. So, um, you know, please let me know. I can put you in touch with other people that do the same thing as me or just wait, but I, I don't know. It's not going to be a week or two. It might be a while. And to their, you know, credit, every single client was like happy to wait. And so many of them shared, you know, my dad died, my nono died, my, you know, this has happened to me. I get it. Just take your time. Um, and I think that was really important. I took about six weeks to just grieve, to be with my dad, to go through my mum's stuff, um, just to be there. I didn't just keep working and get straight back into it. And stuff happened, you know, like I lost, I remember thinking, oh, I've lost like hundreds of Instagram followers or, but I was like, I don't care. Like really, what, what is that stuff is not important. Um, and so that was really eye-opening, um, but also made me reassess my business. And I was like, okay, this business has to work for me. So I've got time to spend with my dad um, and all of that kind of stuff. So I actually saw a grief psychologist at the time. And because I knew like I need some help to get through this. Um, and she was incredible. And she also said, like, grief will come up no matter when you deal with it. If you come and see a psychologist now, like, awesome. If you come, you know, in, if you just avoid it in 12 months, it'll come up. Or in 12 years, something will trigger you and the grief will come to the surface. It has to work, be worked through. Um, the other thing I did was I'm like just a typical, <laughs> I'm really into like researching things. It sounds like you're quite similar, like education. And, and so I started researching like, you know, have people written books about losing their mum? Have people written, you know, done podcasts on grief? And actually there isn't a whole lot out there. Like, um, and particularly for losing your parent, because that's a very natural progression. So, you know, people are almost like, well, you knew that was going to happen at some point. Um, and so I gathered together as much information as I could. I started talking to people. People reached out and like, I heard your mum died. My mum died. Here's my story. And I found that really comforting. So I just created a website called whenyourmotherdies.com. And I asked those people if they could write a letter to somebody who's just going through it. And I wrote a letter as well, kind of being like, you will get through it. Um, and yeah. And so I just have that as like a passion project on the side, but that really taught me just to slow down and like life can be over. And my, my best friend when I was 21 also died in a car crash. So it's not like I hadn't gone through it before, but I think it was a big wake up call to like, you have your own business, but make sure that business allows you to live as well. Yeah, and I think that the takeaway there that, you know, your, your business has to work with your life is such an important one 
Um, and I'm really glad that that's something that surfaced for you that you can now voice um, for other people. Um, I guess my question just springing off this is, you know, for anyone who runs their own business or just, I guess, in life in general, we could talk about this in life in general, like your life has to be flexible enough to let you live. So, you know, same as a business. What would you say are some like little tips or things maybe you changed um, to make that a possibility or things common that you commonly see in businesses that are, that are easy fixes or things people can make a change? Yeah, so I think one big one is setting boundaries. I mean, that can be in life as well, but in as, as a business owner, so that was early 2017. I'd started my business at the end of 2015. So I wasn't that far into it. Um, and so at that point, I think I was like, oh yeah, if you want to, you know, if you'd come to me, Erica, and said, I want to do coaching on this day, I would have been like, okay, you know, even though I wasn't seeing anyone else that day, that, that's fine. Some people were like, can you come into the city to see me? I only want to do face-to-face. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. And so I was, I was catering to everyone else. And after my mum died, I was like, you know what? My dad is by himself now. And my, my father actually passed away this time last year. So I, I just was like, I need to help him. Um, and so I time blocked, like a very practical thing, but I was like time blocking. I'm only seeing clients on Tuesdays and Thursdays between these times. And what I did was I used a tool called Calendly, which I still use, which allows people, you can just put in your scheduling time, their scheduling, I mean, they come in and see when they can see you. And it's all around you and what your needs are, as opposed to, sure, if you want to do a coaching session at eight o'clock at night, cool, I'll do that. I'll rearrange things. So that was a big thing that came out of it. It was like, and I think that's a big thing for small business owners. They, they often don't think they can say no or they think, oh, the work's going to dry up or my, my staff are going to be horrible if I say no. Even just one client, she was like, oh, in the minute I get to work, I'm inundated with questions from my staff. And I was like, what would happen if you just didn't come to work till like 10.30 if you just went to a cafe and worked on the stuff that you need to work on? And she was like, I've never thought of that. And we you know, got to a point where she was comfortable trying it and now she does it three times a week. She goes to a cafe near her. I'm like, the, the business doesn't fall apart because you're not there at 10, you know, by 10, like by 7.30. So I think that's a big thing, just learning to say no, putting boundaries in place um, so that you can have this time to spend with loved ones or to do whatever it is that makes you feel happy. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is also a nice takeaway for, as I said, life in general too. So yeah, mm-hmm. I love that point. I know that's something you um, also talk about quite a lot on your podcast too. Um, so yeah. speaking of businesses, for anyone listening who wants to get started, who, you know, you know, when you have like little concept and you're like, oh, that would be a good idea. I want to do that. But you've got fear and you're not sure and you doubt yourself and you don't even know where to start, who to get in touch with. What are your key tips on getting started for anyone who wants to start a business in any dimension? Okay, so there's so many things, but I'll try to keep it brief. Um, One is figure out what drives you as a person because you might think, oh yeah, I'm going to start this business. It's going to make all this money. And then you realise, you know, it might make all this money, but you're not satisfied because that's not what drives you. And other people, it, it could be what drives them. So the first thing I say to people is, you know, take a personality test. I know it sounds really simple, but like 16personalities.com is a free one. Creative type is another free one. Um, And just see what that test comes out to show you. Also have a look at your values and your beliefs as a person, um, because that's going to guide you. So one of my beliefs is that, you know, nature revives us, which is why I've chosen to live out you know, 24 kilometres from the city. Um, I live in a very bushy area. You can't develop it. 
And so I feel like that revives me, which is I'm not going to ever have a big office in the city. I'm not going to employ heaps of people because I want to work where I live. Um, so I think getting clear on your values, who you are, but then the biggest, not the biggest, but one of the big things is money. Like you need to make money. If you are not making money, you just have a hobby. You don't have a business. Um, and so one of the big things is to figure out how much money do I need to make to survive? And then on top of that, how much, like, what are my survive and thrive figures? How much do I need to make to survive to pay for like my rent and my insurances and anything else? And then what else would I like? So it might be, I'd like to do a research trip every year. That's going to cost 10,000. Or I'd like to have a studio in the city. That's going to cost X amount. And so then you've got your thrive number. And then from that point, you then figure out, okay, what are my revenue streams? So which things are going to help me hit that goal number? So you might've been like ages ago, I had a husband with my husband. <laughs> we decided we would do this like textiles company when we we're living in London ages and ages ago. And so I made like 60 cushions for this restaurant in London and it went really well. And we're like, yeah, let's try and do this. And then we crunched the numbers and I was like, we're not going to make any, pro like the profit margin is so tiny that we would be working around the clock. Like, let's just leave that as a creative thing on the side. Yeah. So I think really getting clear on, you know, how am I going to make my money? And then what are, what are, what's the values and that drive me or the belief systems? Because I've just seen so many business owners that come to me, they're making really good money and they're just really unfulfilled because their values are not being aligned with the business. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason I love that point so much is our, so our third um, arm of the balance theory is the category of fulfillment. And I deliberately chose to call it that instead of work because whether it is your career or a hobby or whatever, it has to fulfill you because I'm sure you'd be no stranger to this. Like in the moments when stuff gets really hard, you feel like you've hit a wall, like having that, the why as money is not going to toe the line for you. Like if, if it's because you love creating relationships with people, like that's a big one for me personally, or because you're just genuinely passionate about the topic or the subject matter, like that's, what's going to get you over the line on those hard days. So it's not only important, I think as well, like people see through, um, you know, when you're, you're a bit not genuine, disingenuous, yeah. um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, th I, that, I think that's really, really good advice to anyone, you know, not even thinking about starting a business, um, but the first point more like starting anything for the podcast, mm -hmm. a new sport, like that's, that's a good kind of thought process to have. Um, so did you kind of have feelings of doubt and fear before you dived into your own business? And, and how did you sort of navigate through those emotions? Oh, 10,000%. Uh, yes. So we, I started, I mean, we did have this little business before me and my husband, but um, we started this business. Well, I started this business at the end of 2015. I decided to start it in July, 2015. So I was doing all the stuff. We had actually just bought our first house that year. I had um, one child in childcare and I also knew that we wanted to have a second child. So I was like, this is not a great time to start a business. You know, I'm head of marketing at a good company. I get a really good wage. Um, it's a very secure, you know, secure role. What am I doing? But I actually sat down, I crunched the numbers. I was like, what do we need to survive? And I told my husband, if I earn half of what I'm earning now, like we, we should be okay. So I just need to get to half. Um, and then I also thought, you know what, I'm without sounding really up myself. I was like, I'm perfectly employable. I you know, have a long history of, you know, experienced career behind me. If this doesn't work, let's give it a year. And I'll know that I gave it a year, I tried it, it didn't work and I'll go back. And I don't have like, I should point out, you know, I don't have really well, well I don't have parents right now, 
but back then I didn't have wealthy parents. My husband doesn't come from a wealthy family. So we didn't have this back, like backdrop of, oh, well, somebody else will support you and kick in and pay the mortgage. It was like, this has to work. Um, but also if it doesn't work, I can, I can get a job or I'm happy to go, you know, work at a cafe. I'm happy to go back to Coles if I need to. That was my very first job. Like it was, it was that much of, I want to try this and give it a go. It's really important to me to know that I've tried. And um, yeah, but I definitely had all of those doubts, but it was very practical. Like, okay, how much do I need to earn? And also before I left my last job, um, I went and met with a bunch of people. So I lined up at least one client so that I knew that I had that amount of money coming in before I quit. Yeah. No, awesome. And um, I think just, just listening to you explain, I guess, your process, I think one of the things I just pulled out is you, you definitely have to not have an ego when it comes to that because you're obviously going from a position where you're quite senior to, you know, being a startup, you know, first timer and, yep. you know, money obviously changes, status, title. You've got to then start approaching people. And, and I think it's also that fear of failure Whereas for you, it was just so important to give it a go and know that you gave it a shot. So I think that's definitely got to do with letting your ego down a little bit, um, which you need to do if you're going to give yeah. anything a go and really like, you know, work through it. Yeah. And it's the same. Like, I just think no one, like you might, like if, if someone goes out there and they start a business and it doesn't work, they might be like, oh my gosh, everyone thinks I'm a failure. But the amount of people that probably are inspired that fact you even started, you know, like you just forget about that. Like you sometimes think, oh, it, you know, everyone's going to think X, Y, Z and half the time they're not, they're just so impressed that you even gave it a go. Yeah. And, and actually on the flip as well, like most people aren't even going to know you've quote failed. Like yeah. you look at all these successful companies now, like you wouldn't have any idea unless you've spoken to the CEO or the directors, you know, directly. Um, you wouldn't know what all their quote failures are, the, the roadblocks they've had, the workarounds they've had to do. Like it, and especially now with social media, you only see the highlights real. So, you know, I, I've actually had to remind myself of that too. Like, you know, we've maybe done a sale that hasn't gone too well. And I'm thinking like, oh, that's embarrassing. But like, no one knows how much, you know, how many sales we've made. So at the end of the day, like, yes, people are most likely to be impressed by your efforts. And they're also very highly unlikely to know what, what's gone wrong or awry. <laughs> totally. totally. I've done that. I've launched things and it's not gone anywhere near what I thought it would be, but it's like, who cares? Who knows? Like, let's learn. What, what didn't I do right? What could I do better next time? So I think that's really good. I don't know if you've read, have you read the book Shoe Dog? No, Shoe it's actually Dog. in my pile for next year. Oh, I always do like yeah, it for the year. So that one's like, oh, <laughs> oh nice. It's, um, yeah, when I read that, I just remember being like, oh my goodness, you would not know. Like it's by the guy who started Nike and you just, it's just so many things. You know, so many times he came close to losing it all. And you're like, wow, you didn't know any of that. Yeah, that's right. It's all, it's all a process and we're all on, the, on our own journeys. Um, yeah. So one of the things you also spoke about a lot in, in one of your podcasts that spoke to me quite personally was this idea of comparisonitis. And how it can literally be like ruin the ruiner of your business. Can you talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on that? Yes, awesome. So um, the first thing I guess is to understand that everyone goes through comparisonitis. Everyone compares themselves to somebody else at some stage. And also people might be comparing themselves to you and you don't even have a clue that they're doing that. Um, but I think there's some things you can do. One of which, and it can take some time to really get in the mindset to do this, but is to think, what can I learn from this person or this brand? You know, maybe I'm comparing myself and feeling negatively because they've just done 
X, Y, Z that I want to do. But it's like, well, then look at how they've done that. How have they achieved that? What have they done to get to where they are? And, and sort of see it as a, in like, almost like putting on a cap of curiosity. Like, how, why do I feel like that? What is it about them? Um, and it could be that, you know, you could do things like unfollowing or muting people on social media. But I also think sometimes it pays to actually dive into it and be like, what could this person teach me? Um, another kind of example or activity that I get clients to do, and you don't have to actually do this, but just try and think about it, imagine it, is to look at the person that you're comparing yourself to and think, well, how could I collaborate with them? Like, what would that look like? How could we work on something together? And instantly, just by doing that, you're taking away this kind of fear mentality of, oh, they've got it all figured out and I don't. It's like, well, what could we do together? Um, and sometimes by doing that also, you realise, actually, we couldn't do anything together. I'm actually not going after the same people that they are. We're very different and that's cool. We can both exist. Um, I think it really just depends on whether you're coming from a scarcity mindset or an abundance. Like I, I train business coaches. I have business coaches who come to me for coaching. And some of my friends have sometimes said, oh, don't you think that's weird that like you're coaching them to basically do and maybe copy what you do? And I'm like, even if they copied it, they're not me. I'm not them. We're going to have different approaches to things. So I'm all for there's enough work to go around. There's an abundance. You know, there's 7 billion people on the planet. I'm sure we're going to find, you know, the people that want us and the people want them. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, it does. And I think it's nice when you shift the idea of like competition to collaboration. I think that's something um, personally I've kind of experienced this year as well. Like just in general with people in whatever field you're in, I think, you know, kind of seeing everyone as an ally or someone I can, I'm collaborating with rather than competing with. Because at the end of the day, we're all just here to enjoy our life on the planet. And so why not aid each other in that journey? And, And I find actually within the podcasting space specifically, it's been quite like collaborative. Like people are so open to giving their time and their feedback. And it's just been a very, very nice space. So again, for anyone who's listening, who might, you know, have thought about doing a podcast, like, I can't think of a single reason why not. It's like growing and just the space is awesome. It's a really cool space. Oh, I completely agree. And even you having me on your podcast and talking about my podcast, like it's so, it's lovely. And I think there's enough to be, sorry, go. Yeah, I was just, there's there's enough listeners to go around, you know, we can, it's a shared pool and and that's just with people in general too. Yeah, totally. I always just think people are nice. You know, most people are nice people. They're not going to be jerks. And so, Mm. yeah, just, yeah. Agreed. All right. The last thing I wanted to chat to you about was a little exercise you actually spoke about on your podcast, which inspired me so much that I'm actually going to do it um, as sort of a new year task. Um, so basically it was a strength and weakness exercise where you emailed people directly for hard, cold feedback on yourself, which, you know, in itself is, is a little bit of a daunting thing, but I would love for you to just sort of share your experience um, and, and why you think this is such a beneficial and important thing. Yeah. So thank you. Um, yeah. So I did this exercise where you, you contact, I think like 15, 20 people and you say, you know, can you tell me three things I do well and one thing that I could improve on? And of course, there'll be people that are like, you can't improve on anything. You're so great. Um, and so I sort of worded the email like, please be brutally honest because this is going to help me in my business, um, potentially in the marketing messages that I put out about myself um, and why people should work with me. And so I sent it out. I had a good, I, I made sure that it was a mix of people and it wasn't just all my friends or people that I knew were just going to be like, yes, 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 you're great. 
Um, and actually what was really shocking, well, kind of shocking was that there was so much commonality, even though it was sometimes, you know, some of the people were from people I'd worked with 10, 12 years ago. There were some people that I'd just met. There was colleagues, there was clients, um, and a lot of them gave the same feedback. Um, so, you know, in the good things, it was, I mean, it's all good. It's all good feedback. But in the things that I do well, there was a lot of crossover about, like, you're very empathetic, you really... Um, you're genuine, you come across approachable, you know, you're authentic, what you do, you know, you've got higher levels of integrity. Um, but then in the area that you could improve on, all of them again said a very similar thing, which is that um, you tend to downplay things. Like you tend to, you know, if I introduce you and kind of big up you, you tend to then make a joke of it or you downplay or you kind of hide those things. And I know sometimes people can say that as in, oh, you know, that's my, that's my, I'm, I'm a perfectionist and that's my, you know, fault. Um, but I think I just hadn't got to a point where I was like, yes, I'm going to stand in it and be like, I've put out a book. It's done really well. I've done this. It's done really well. Um, and also one of them said to me, it's actually at a detriment because there's potentially clients that I'm talking to. And if you can't be confident to them, then, you know, why would they have confidence to, to buy something or invest in you? Um, and so I, that really, really helped me. And actually, um, when I finished up with a big consulting client a while ago, I like always ask for an exit interview. You know, when I'm finishing out the project, I always say, can we go for like a lunch and talk about kind of like an exit interview at a, a place um, to like what I did well, what I didn't do well. And, and he said, oh, your confidence gave me confidence. And so I just think, okay, I've learned from that email exercise that I did. And it was really, you know, it's scary to say to people, tell me the thing that I don't do right. And you almost yeah. don't want to open the email because you're like, oh God, what am I going to hear? Yeah. But it was really, it was really beneficial to hear that. And so is that something you've only done once or is it something you ongoingly try and do to some degree? Yeah, I did it a big, like the big one once, um, but I do do it with every person that I work with now, like every client, even if it's just, you know, a one-off session, they'll get sent a link to a survey and that really goes into detail. Like, did you find our prices too expensive? Do you think this? Do you think that? Um, and also they can do that anonymously. So they can enter, they can answer it anytime within six months. So um, I think that's been really good to get that feedback. Uh, also, like I do the same, like I send an email out every Sunday for small business owners and I do a big survey of that. Like what could I, you know, please be really honest. Um, and I think again, making it anonymous, people feel like they can be super honest. So yeah, it's something I, as in that particular exercise, I probably haven't done all the time. Maybe I should do it. I might do it again for 2021, but I'm always asking for feedback and asking people to be you know, super honest in the feedback. Cause it's the only way you're going to improve. You don't know what you, what you, what you don't know really. Yeah, that's right. We've, we've all got our um, blinkers going forward. <laughs> Um, you know, it's really hard to see what's on the sides, but for like to do that exercise, do you think for anyone that's never done something like that before, it's, it's the perfect thing to do? Or do you think that there's a right time or right moment where maybe you're changing, you know, like you're at a, at a, at a pivot moment, that would be the better time to do it? Like, what would you suggest? Yeah. I mean, I did it at the start. I did it at the start because I was like, well, I'm going to go out there and like, promote myself and maybe I'm promoting things that people don't think are the best thing about me. Um, so I think it really helped then. I also do think though that like with my email, um, I did, I think I did my first big survey after the first like 40 emails or something. Like I'd left it a chunk and then I asked for feedback. I, I think feedback, I just think feedback can be helpful anytime. Like yeah. it really, it really can be. If you're going to pivot, say you're bringing in a new category line or something, if you're a product-based business, 
then definitely that would be a time to go out and get, you know, surveys done, focus groups, like, do you think we should do this or that? Um, but then I also think on the flip side, you want to also go with your gut. And if you're like, this is going to be awesome for our business, you should go for it. But feedback is never, I don't think anything, anyone should ever fear feedback. Yeah. It's something you can learn from. Yep, definitely. Alrighty. Well, that is everything I think we've got time for today. I mean, I could definitely chat to you all day, but I know you're super busy and, you know, there's, there's uh, children in need and clients to yeah. to. But for anyone who, I guess, wants to engage with you a little further, obviously they can head over to the podcast, um, My Daily Business Coach, which is on all yeah. streaming platforms. But in terms of like yeah. social media or email or website, do you have like a preferred contact method? Yeah, um, Instagram, I'm on there um at my daily business coach is and, and so dms work really well um you can email us hello at my daily business coach or come to my daily business coach.com um but yeah thank you so much for having me i would love to hear from people i'd love to hear what they you know what they've taken away from this yeah no for sure so anyone don't be shy to reach out and um yeah fiona's lovely and she'll give you great advice do not be shy <laughs> oh thank you so much erica and thank you for everything you're doing um on your podcast i can't wait to hear more and see how you're you're doing so much i can't i'm just like shocked by like you're doing this and this and this and this it's amazing it's very inspiring i really appreciate it thank you again and thanks for your time no worries bye and that's a wrap for this week balances thank you so much for tuning in i hope you found this episode useful to some degree in either steering or determining your definition of balance today as always, the biggest compliment for us is if you share this episode with someone who you feel might need it, or if you're on Spotify, you can click follow or on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating or review. If you have any suggestions for up and coming podcasts, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email. Our Instagram is at the balance theory and our email is the balance theory podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, you've always got the option of subscribing to our mailing list. We only send you email reminders when the episodes drop so you get them fresh out of the oven. No annoying spam, we promise. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and until next time, stay balanced. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.